0: Well, thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We're especially glad you're joining us if this is your first church experience in a long time or first time ever. And if you're new or relatively new, we have a gift to thank you for being with us today. Simply text the word WELCOME to 410-216-5534 and we'll send you that gift. Or if you're here in the sanctuary, you can just stop by the welcome desk out in the concourse. Well, this is the second week of a series we're calling Home Field Advantage, and we titled that series as a reminder to us that when we come together as a church, and we use this church as a platform for both everyone gathered here and to reach people online, it's in coming together that we make the most compelling case for Christ to people who don't yet have a relationship with him. That when we come together, and we have our parking ministers, and our, our greeters at the door, and our host team ministers here, and our cafe, and our welcome desk ministers, and beginning next week, our children's ministers here on campus together, and we have our chat hosts online, and all the tech crew that helps put our online campus together. Everybody working together. It's working in unison that we can make the most compelling case for the, that God so loved the world he gave his only beloved son. And that we can make the most compelling case to the outside world that the Christian community has incredible power and can add value to their lives. Uh, So to help remind us again of this core anchor of our church, that we exist to reach people who don't yet come to church, that we want to be a church that people who don't like church like, we are looking at Luke 15. And in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables about the lost. He talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the most famous parable of all, the lost son. And so today we're going to be looking at the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then the following four weeks we're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son because it is so rich. Now just a reminder, last week we said Jesus has two audiences that he's talking to, that he's addressing these parables to. The secondary audience is the lost or the tax collectors and sinners. These are people who said they don't want a relationship with God or who walked away from faith and religion. They walked away from it and Jesus is addressing this parable, but they're not the primary audience. He is talking to them. And so if you're here today and you've walked away from the church or you've walked away from faith or you've become disconnected for whatever reason that might be, welcome. We're glad you're here and we want you to know you're the secondary audience the primary audience that Jesus is talking to is the Pharisees. And so they were grumbling and complaining that people who didn't have a relationship with God were coming to listen to Jesus, and so he addresses the parables to the Pharisees. And I would say to us who are church people, he's also addressing these parables to us as well. Now, uh, Jesus spoke in parables often, And the reason he did that is because parables have a power to engage us in a way that just straight instruction does not. That when Jesus was telling a parable or when anyone tells any kind of story, he's inviting us to enter into the story and to experience it not just mentally, but emotionally, relationally. He's inviting us to think about what would we do if we were in that circumstance Ourselves, And that's the parable of the parable. It, 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 we're not just passive listeners. We actively engage in it. So with that in mind, Jesus begins the parable of the lost sheep in this way. What man among you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost? until he finds it. So Jesus poses this question. You're out in the wilderness, you have 100 sheep, one is lost, wouldn't you go out and try and find it? And as a 21st century American, my answer to that question is, I don't know. I don't own any sheep. I've never been out in the wilderness with 100 sheep and lost one. And my guess is that if you're listening to this too, you don't know either, that you don't own any sheep. We actually do have a guy on our staff we've just hired. His name's Joseph working in next-gen ministry, he's going to be uh, working with volunteers. So if you're a volunteer there, you're going to get to meet Joseph. He owns sheep. and so, But he's the only one I know. He's the only person I've met that owns sheep. He's a very interesting guy. You'll you love getting to know him. And, but I've never been in this situation, and my guess is you haven't been either. Now, as I reflected, though, on this question, I did think back to the story I told last week. And if you weren't here last week, I talked about a time when we lost one of our children. And lost the son at the beach, and so I was continuing to talk about that story last week with my wife. And my, at dinner time, my wife Mia says to me, "Why'd you tell the story that way?" Because that's the way it happened. She's like, "No, it didn't." You know. So we start breaking into breaking down the story about what I didn't tell right, and, and that's just the way nature of stories, right? You re, you remember different perspectives. But as we talked about the story, a couple of facts I want to share with you today came to mind. The, the first fact was that we realized our kids were a little bit older. So they're about three years older than I remembered. So that made me feel a little less irresponsible. So that was good. But then Mia said to me, and why, did you, why didn't you give me credit for finding our son? You didn't find him, I did. Which is true. And I wasn't trying to hold off the credit for her. I just didn't get to that part of the story. But it was Mia who found our son, not me. Now, the reason I bring that back up is because what it's reminding me is that when we realized our son was missing, we left the kids at home feeling they were relatively safe and secure, but we both went out looking for him. And, he, and, and finding him had our total attention mentally, you know, emotionally. All we could think about for about those 15 minutes when he was missing is we have got to find our son. And our focus and attention was on the one that was lost, not the other ones that were safe and sound at home. So what man among you, you know, a hundred sheep? I don't know the answer to this question, but I do know when one of my kids was missing, it had my total attention. Now here's, so I've never been in this situation of losing a sheep out in the wilderness. And here's something interesting too. Neither had the Pharisees. The Pharisees, who Jesus is addressing this parable to, didn't own sheep. They never would have been shepherds. In fact, the Pharisees taught that it was wrong to teach your son the trade of being a shepherd. It was wrong because they believed you couldn't possibly, and they were right, you couldn't possibly keep the Jewish law and tend sheep. It It was too unclean. It was too messy. So... Why does Jesus pose this scenario, this kind of everyday situation, to Pharisees that would have never been in this situation? Well, if you read the Old Testament, throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old Testament, God's leaders are shepherds. Abraham and Moses were shepherds. Psalm 23 is about the good shepherd. In the book of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, through those prophets, God says to spiritual leaders, you are to act like shepherds. Another, and shepherds should be taking responsibility for sheep that was lost. And so there are the Pharisees. They are not only not taking responsibility for the sheep that are lost, they're complaining, they're grumbling that Jesus is actually doing their job. I mean, how do you feel when there is something you have lost? It's for something you've been responsible for. You feel responsible. That's why when you lose your phone or, or something else and... You're looking all around the house for it. You say, well, I know I had it in the car. I brought it in. I put it here. You start going through the, the whole scenario, in, in part because you're trying to figure out where it could be, but partly you're trying to convince anybody that's listening, I'm not totally irresponsible. I, I, I was responsible at one point. Now I understand I lost it. You, you, you're just trying to make that case. And so Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you should be feeling responsible for the loss in the same way a shepherd, if he lost one of his sheep, would feel responsible to go and find it. Then he says this, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders. So here's the thing about sheep when they are lost. When they get separated from the sheepfold, they will eventually just go into a corner or shelter in some place, and they will start shaking and bleating, B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G. they bleating. They, They're just making a noise, and they don't know what to do. They're so paralyzed with fear. And so when the shepherd eventually does find that lost sheep, he's got to put it on his shoulders, and the sheep would weigh somewhere around 70 to 80 pounds. I have a dog about that size. Put it on his shoulders and carry it, because the sheep cannot walk. It's too paralyzed with fear. So he puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for my sheep which was for rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. So he says rejoice. The shepherd rejoices when he finds the sheep. And he says this, I have found my sheep which was lost. Notice that language there. It's kind of passive. The sheep which was lost. Well, who lost it? The shepherd. But notice he doesn't say which I lost. He says which was lost. And we're going to come back to this in a second. But in Middle Eastern culture, it's very big on honor and dignity and protecting that. And there's some other cultures throughout the world that are, that are like that as well. And so it is there. people in that culture are very slow to say, I did something wrong, or I lost it. And so he says, the sheep which was lost. Then Jesus says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Jesus says, when that one sheep that was lost comes home, comes back to God, heaven Rejoices. There is, and if the people who are with God and his angels are rejoicing when that one sheep was lost, it comes back. But notice, again, the 99. Where are the 99 sheep in that parable? They are still out in the wilderness, they are not yet home. And so Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, if you are not rejoicing, with God and his angels about the sheep that has returned home, guess where you are? You're still out in the wilderness. You are still lost. Then he goes to the next parable. He says this. Jesus said, or what woman, and again, this is interesting, just as the Pharisees were not shepherds, they weren't women either, but he says, or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. So Jesus is painting the picture here of a, a woman who's been given some coins by her husband. Because in that culture, women did not work. They did not earn money. Any money they had would have been given to them um, from a husband or, or, or a male figure. who would have given them that money. And she's given that money for the responsibility of taking care of the house. She's been giving those 10 silver coins, not a small amount of money, to provide the food for the, for the household, for clothing, for whatever other household needs. So she's been given a responsibility. And when she loses the coin, she's been irresponsible. So what does she do with it? Well, she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house and she seeks diligently until she finds it. You notice in this parable, there's a, little bit, there's a lot more depth and how much effort the woman goes to. Lights a lamp, sweeps the house, seeks diligently. Goes deeper into all the effort the woman goes into to find the lost coin. And then it says, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. So once again, rejoice, have a party, celebrate. For I have found the coin which I had lost. So Jesus is saying now to the Pharisees, this woman, she takes responsibility. She had lost it. And she said, I lost it. She owns it. But now I have found it. Then he concludes and says, and in just the same way, I tell you there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, the idea that when what is lost has been found, there is rejoicing among God and his angels. So three takeaways from these two parables. Number one, rejoice when the lost are found. Jesus is saying to his friends and his followers, when someone who has been far from God or has been disconnected from, from God and disconnected from the community of believers, believers, you should be rejoicing. That people who are on the side of God and his angels rejoice when those who are far from God come back into a relationship with him. And if you're not rejoicing, if there is no joy in your heart when you hear stories or hear about people that had given up on God or given up on church, if there's no joy in your heart when they come back into a relationship with him, then Jesus said, you got to search your heart because people who are truly with God and on, working with God rejoice. When the lost are found. Second takeaway Jesus wants us to, from, from these parables. Repentance is being found. Repentance in part is about being found. In large part, it's about being found. What did the sheep do to be found in the story? Absolutely nothing. What did the coin do? Of course, coins can't do anything. It was just found. The shepherd goes and finds the sheep. The woman goes and finds the coin. And Jesus is saying, if you are in a relationship with God, it is because God has come and found you. It's been said about the Bible, it's been said about the story of Scripture, the large story of Scripture, that it's not about humanity's search for God, it's about God's search for human beings. God's search for humanity, time and time again, human beings, we get lost, we get lost, we get lost, and God keeps coming for us and keeps coming for us. He searches us out in every generation. Love the line from this, that song we're, we're, we have right now at the offertory: Graves into Gardens. There is no place. Your mercy and grace will not find me again. It is God's mercy and grace that comes after us and pursues us. Psalm 23, your mercy and grace will follow me all the days of my life. God keeps on coming and keeps on coming. And so what Jesus is saying here to the Pharisees and anybody who's a church person, he's like, you can't boast that you're in a relationship with God. You can't boast that you're home with God because it was God who came and found you when you were lost. Repentance coming back in a relationship with God is because God came after us. God found us. And the third takeaway from the story is these stories is responsibility is reaching the lost. Because God comes after us or uses or, or partners with his friends and followers to come after loss, Jesus is saying, if you are my friend and my follower, you will own, you will take personal responsibility for people who do not have a relationship with me. You will take personal responsibility for people who are far from their heavenly father or have given up knowing God through the church. You'll take that personally, personal responsibility And you will own that and you will go and seek and save those people. You will work with me to bring them back home to their heavenly father. So they'll know the goodness of God and the power and value of being in a community of believers. So that's what this series is about, about increasing that personal responsibility for us who follow Christ, who call ourselves Christ followers. So last week, the the first action we we suggested you take, and hope you did it, is just think about one person for whom you're praying for through the course of this series. One person that you're just going to keep praying and say, God, use me in whatever way you want to bring that person into a relationship with you. So this week, we got a new challenge. It's a little bit different, uh, but we want to give you a magnet. So I'm I'm going to explain what we're going to do with that in a second. So if you're here in the sanctuary, in the church, when you leave today, you can stop by the next steps, desk out on the concourse, or see one of the greeters as you're leaving, the people with the lanyards. They're going to have a magnet. We want you to grab one. If you are online, you can text the word SHARE. Text the word SHARE to 410-216-5534, and Rika on our team, she will send you a magnet. And what we're going to ask you to do is to put this on the back of your car. And this week, as you are going through a drive-through, whether it's uh, to get some coffee or a beverage or buying a meal, as you go through the drive-through, to pay for the person behind you. Now, don't look back and see if it's my car or my family or like you know, a big family like mine. You know, just 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 do it, okay? All right, so put this on the back of the car, and what we hope is that well, people will see this magnet on the back of the car, and you doing something good for them, and they will connect the dots. And we hope it creates a kind of buzz in the community. So, you know, now if your car is like this car, all right, you might need to take off a few stickers, because they're not gonna see it, right? Or just go buy a new car, right? You've been looking for an excuse. Um, Or take some off, or we're kind of going more for this little cleaner look here. That's what what we're going for, okay? Um, But again, our hope is that as people do this in the community, and we're gonna do this over the next few weeks, so we're gonna keep promoting this. Um, But as you put it on, a buzz is created about our church and the good deeds our our, our church is doing for other people. Our community is doing for others. Now, uh, we don't know what the buzz is gonna create. We don't know what God's gonna do with it. We're, We're trusting God to do something with it. We really believe that when you do something generous for other people and, and to, to be partnering with God and in fellowship with, and taking responsibility for the loss, that God will do something. But part of it, we hope some great stories come that, but the beginning part, or the most important part, as we talked about it, this idea with our staff this week, is that it's about you saying, I wanna take responsibility for reaching people out in the community. I am taking personal responsibility that people who don't know God will come into a relationship with him. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. It is core to his mission to reach out to people who are disconnected from his heavenly father and not in a community of believers. He said that's core to his mission. So it's core to our mission here as a parish because Jesus' friends and followers, they rejoice. They rejoice when people who are far from God or disconnected from God come back home into a relationship with him. His followers, his friends and followers, Jesus' friends and followers know that repentance is about being found, that they have no reason to boast, but that God the Father has come after them and come after them and come after them and brought brought them home. And they recognize that God wants to partner with us, that God wants us to take responsibility for people who do not know him and bring them back home. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you that you come after us time and time again by your son's great love for us, that he laid down his life, that he put us on his shoulders and has carried us home just like the shepherd in that parable. God, we thank you that there is no place. Your mercy and grace will not find us again. Thank you for your great love and grace and mercy. Help us to feel a sense of responsibility, to share that grace and mercy with those who do not know it yet. And we make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen.